Hi, I'm Tim. And I'm Ginny. And we are The, the Irreverends. Hey. Hi. How Good job you? on that episode last week. Hey, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I only talked about 85% of the time. Um, well, I mean, that's par for the course. I know. I hate when then I have to edit and I hear myself talking so much. I'm going to try not to do that so much this time. <laughs> gonna try how was your clergy conference i mean clergy the clergy conference was whatever. great Yay. it was great we uh, had an opportunity to talk about dementia and uh what that looks like in ministry and what that looks like in life and mm-hmm. it was valuable yeah that sounds like a struggle is real that is a struggle is real i think that you know people are really afraid people i talk to they're one of their biggest fears is losing their um Losing their loved ones or their own self to dementia or Alzheimer's. It's like it's one of the number one fears of, of people who are coming into geriatric age, yeah. as it were. Yeah. Um, and and the, the fear that if they forget people, will people forget them? Oh, that's and, heartbreaking. And then the other side of that is, if I forget God, will God forget me? Oh. Is another question. And right. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. It's a it's a real struggle, and so where was there hope in it? What did you What did you hear that made you feel? I mean, of course, we know that God doesn't forget us, and we know that no, from the God, Bible. God never forgets us, right? The hope in it was more about the awareness that, well, the the gift that awareness of it can bring, so that it's not looked upon with kind of the social stigma mm-hmm. that goes along with it mm-hmm. as opposed to like you know if you see somebody in a wheelchair you're just like well that person's in a wheelchair let me help them but when people start to get dementia people want to just kind of hide them away yeah um so making making people aware of it and that there is you know still value in the life there mm-hmm. and well and i know in my own extended family one of the matriarchs of the family had alzheimer's you know to the point that she didn't know anybody's name and she couldn't remember how to eat and all those things. But her daughter went every single day and she recognized her daughter, but she couldn't say her Mm -hmm. name. Yeah. But the ability to love someone tangibly, even as they are sort of mentally like an infant is just so loving and Mm -hmm. I don't know that our ancestors had to cope with that very much because I don't think people lived that long. But I think increasingly no. we'll live longer, but maybe have more dementia. And the ability and to to still continue to tangibly love the person with tangible things. And to realize that, like, in most cases, the long-term memory of that person and therefore the personality, the basic personality still there. of that person is intact, even if they cannot speak anymore right part of what's so moving is to see people in an alzheimer's ward sing some of the old hymns or know music is like the last thing to go when i did cpe when i did cpe i had a memory unit and singing songs with them was always a way to connect yeah yeah deep well um bishop curry spoke at our spoke at an event here in the diocese and told a story about when his father had had a stroke and he was in the intensive care unit And he was unconscious and hooked up to all the machines. Mm -hmm. And the father's sister, so Bishop Curry's aunt, 
pulled back the sheet and started massaging his legs as she sang. And Bishop Curry said, what are you doing? And she said, um, well, you know, your father has a limp. And he said, well, yeah, I know my dad has a limp. But she said, do you know why? And he said, no. She said, well, when he was a child, he had polio. And our yeah. mother used to, every night, rub his legs and sing to him. And so that's what I'm doing. Ah. Because that old, old memory would be there and connected with the tactile touch yeah. and the song was just, oh my God, that's what love looks like, man. And yeah. we're all capable people, of that. Yep. Yeah, people are still there. Yeah. Love them. Yeah. Don't be afraid of it. Yeah. Well, and the struggle, though, is real. It is. I know. Thanks for that. Yeah. And for families who are going through having to do caregiving, you know, it is really, really hard, but you're not alone. And be sure to take care of yourself, too. So. And if you know somebody who is a caretaker, give them a break. Yeah. Yeah. Don't say, and what can I do for you? Say, I'll this be is there. what I can do for you. Yeah. Will it help? Yeah. And and don't yeah. be afraid of someone who's got dementia. You know? Nope. Um, they can still enjoy life. Okay. So shall we um, uh, shall we dig in, Tim, to Let's the dig uh, in. lessons? All right. The first lesson comes from Isaiah. Oh, my God. What 58. a surprise. It's Isaiah. Yeah, it's strange. Oh my God. I know. We're going to have to switch over to Paul or something so everything changes. I know. Although Isaiah's pretty awesome. One of these years. No, this is a good one. This one also actually has the um, distinction of being one that you might also hear on Ash Wednesday. So, most of it. Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 9a, and then 9b through 12 is an option. So, shout out. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion to the house of Jacob, their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interests on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such a fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness, and your gloom be like noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your knees in parched places 
and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. And here endeth the lesson. Okay. Bam. Yeah, wow, you had a lot of passion reading that. I could not help but think of this. (laughs) Like I had the whole thing pictured in my head. This line. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. And I totally thought that's where they got those Snickers commercials from. You know? Like Like when somebody slams Betty White to the ground? Um, (laughs) Like, that is what people are like who are hangry. And the solution to that now is Snickers. But back then, you know, the solution was just God. Look, you Mm -hmm. fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. It, like, completely cracked me up. That's right. That... Hangry, totally. Totally hangry. And, I mean, that's practically yeah. saying that. Like, when you fast, you just want to be, like, cranky about it. And yeah. that's not going to Yeah, gives be... you an excuse yeah. to be snotty to people. Yeah. Which is totally the opposite of what fasting is about. Exactly. It's But it's not... But it wasn't saying the ones, like, where you fast and you try to draw attention to yourself in that. This was totally, mm-hmm. like, description of hangry. But I'm not, I'm not sure that's exactly what this Isaiah is about. Um, no. So this this Isaiah comes from guess which part? Um, utero. Based on the number. <laughs> utero. No. Trito. <laughs> no, I know that. Third Isaiah. I know. I just wanted to say utero Isaiah one more I time. Know. When I know. I thought we'd avoid it this Isaiah week, but in, oh well. Was in utero. Yeah. No. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. So Trito. Mm-hmm. So this is after the people have come back and a few different things are happening, right? You have the people that were taken into captivity in Babylon, and those tended to be the people that lived in. Jerusalem and Judea, um, close to the city, the the elite Mm -hmm. and the powerful. Meanwhile, everybody else was kind of just left behind to deal with their own. So they've been in the land for 70 years without these other people. The remnants. descendants are suddenly coming back, Mm -hmm. right? Their descendants are suddenly coming back, and there's these kind of quarrels about who's actually, you know, of the land and some other background things that are going on. But in addition to that, they're creating new fast days. And in the law, the only day of fast that's actually stated is the Day of Atonement. And so these are people who are being overly religious. Which which of the people are being... The ones who were... The ones who came back and were rebuilding the temple and rebuilding Jerusalem. in po- the priests, basically. Because they and, and everybody's- had been completely removed from their context. And so they, I could yeah. understand them sort of building more um, religiosity, actually, into what yeah, they're right. doing to try to... We're going to do it so the, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. Good. To try to cement so, their, their identity. Right. But in the meantime, people are still homeless and hungry right. and and God sees all this and what's the point of the law through the law and throughout all the scripture over and over and over again we have God hearing the cries of the poor right. and the oppressed and the widow and seeking to liberate them is and this so not, to have, is not to have these people the that have just been liberated come back and do this is unacceptable well and there was this like you can understand the tensions between the two because one group yeah. never left and was there for 70 years. That's like two generations or more. I mean, that's like 
all the yeah. people, all the people who left were probably dead. And so there's just this real tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people that stayed were called the remnant or got called the remnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and which makes them sound like leftovers. Right. But in and the they meantime, they were the ones that were still working the land right. and, and, feeding. and living life. Right. Right. But this, this line of gods, is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? That's such a... Okay, it's beautiful on the one hand, but man, I read it and I am stung by it. Well, when have I ever brought... To hide yourself from your own... Hide yourself from your own kin, you know, like looking... Thinking about how often in a day when you're walking along and you see a homeless person, you don't acknowledge their humanity and you turn away. Right. How many times have I brought the homeless poor into my house? You know, ugh. Right. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn. It's like, don't just say all these empty words. Do this stuff. Yeah. Fasting is empty unless it changes your heart to the point that you are willing to do this good work. Well, it's vote. Right. And part of it is to see that you really are all one people and you're more than just one people. You're one family. You are kin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that's smart. So, I mean, obviously then at one level, what is this about today? We still do this stuff like oh, totally. religious righteousness that has no regard at all, at all for the poor or the hungry. Mm-hmm. And, and right now I'm not just talking about sort of that white evangelical Christianity that's aligned with the... Um, Prosperity gospel. Yeah, oh my God. You know, I'm also talking about those of us who are comfortable. And, you know, when was the last time... I mean, I know when the last time I was that I broke bread with a hungry, but like I don't, I don't often put myself out there in a place where I know I will, I will have genuine encounters that I can't control with people who are poor and hungry and mentally ill. I mean, on the one hand, that seems like a smart thing, but it keeps me well, from looking at them as my you know, brothers. What strikes me is how easy it is to not do things when you're busy with being religious. Oh my God, of course. Yeah. Right. Like if you're, if you're busy with all these fasts and being in the temple and, you know, in our case, being at Getting ready for my Lenten study group else. or whatever. And... Yeah, yeah, working on my sermon or preparing for this podcast, right. and uh, that can be an excuse, mm-hmm. and it can't be. It's not. It's not a valid sacrifice if I'm not also taking well, care of people. It's not just. It's not a valid. It pisses God off. <laughs> you know. It's yeah. like, what are you doing? In which case, it is sort of like the Snickers commercial. Like you're not yourself. Yeah. Oh, gosh. All right. Shall we go to the gospel? Let's do it. All right. We're back to Matthew after last week's uh, incursion into John. Um, like a military no, campaign? No, I mean, it was the presentation was it, of the Lord. And, the presentation you know, is a military campaign into John. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is sort of weird. I mean, Emily and I talked about that. Like, it was really about the yeah. woman being purifying herself after she had the nerve to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. Jesus said... You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? 
It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And here ends the lesson. Jesus gets salty. Yeah. So on the one hand, this last paragraph especially, is hard to put up against the reading from Isaiah. Because he's saying, I'm not abolishing one stroke or, you know, one mm-hmm. tittle. Went, one yoder tittle. Of the, of, the, um, of the law. And you have to have the righteousness. Your righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. That kind of language, at least to me today as a 21st century American clergy person, sounds like that, oh, maybe I have to do more religious services. Maybe we should have a mass every day and, you know. Well, it, yes, we should have mass every day, but I'm also a lot more Anglo-Catholic. Yeah, there. but, right. So maybe <laughs> we should have, I mean, again, it makes me it makes me think that I have to earn God's love and I have to earn it by religious right. stuff. And, yeah. and And that's actually something, you know, to be honest, that the progressive end of Christianity gets accused of by the conservative side that, you know, we're so into works that we're trying to to garner our own salvation, to which I reply, no, actually, it's we are so absolutely elated with the grace of God that has saved us that we go out and try to help share other other people. Yeah, I don't see it at all as God, God needs me to feed the poor because otherwise God won't love me. It's like, no. I love God. God has loved me, therefore I'm going to go feed the right. poor. Right, and and I want everyone. I really believe these are my brothers and sisters. I want them all mm-hmm. to experience the love of God. I can't stand the idea that any of them would be hungry. It's not at all right. about me earning my salvation. I mean, in fact, that whole question yeah. is just so offensive to me. But this this last paragraph, I struggle with. Keeping in mind where it is in the context of. You know, just this list of random with the, sayings this, from yeah, Jesus. This, it's not just not like random. I mean, this is all part of the Sermon on the Mount series, and with the Beatitudes and and everything else. So these are also commandments. Yeah, but they still they. And really, it's Jesus Jesus calling calling us to the great commandment: love God, love your neighbor. So, but this particular set of things sounds a lot to me like proverbs or something, where it's just like. Mm-hmm. Oh, we remember Jesus said this about salt and saltiness, and when remember he had yeah, no, that thing about the light of the world. It's definitely a wisdom statement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Tim, can you tell us a bit about that whole saltiness thing? Because I remember you learned that. You told me about it when you had gone to the um, 
to the Dead Sea. The like, Dead Sea. Yeah. So, so the the salt in the Dead Sea uh, is not only sodium chloride. It has a lot of other salts in it, mineral salts. Um, some of which, in excess, can be a little poisonous. And they certainly are caustic. Like you can't actually, you know, you see the pictures of people floating mm-hmm. out in the Dead mm-hmm. Sea on kind of floating on top mm-hmm. of it because it's, they're so buoyant compared to it. You know, you're only supposed to be in there for like 15 minutes before you have to get out and rinse it all off or else it starts to burn you. <laughs> don't get it into your eyes. Don't get it into your oh, mouth. You God. will be sorry, right? So that, that's the kind of salt that we're dealing with, right? So if you had a good deposit of sodium chloride still, you know, in the salt pans around uh, the Dead Sea and that they those did provide salt to the greater Mediterranean basin, then that was great, but it still came with all these other salts. But And these other salts are less soluble in water than sodium chloride. And so you, you had to protect your salt and keep it from the elements. If, if uh, water got to it, it could wash the sodium chloride out, leaving this, this bitter salt. Oh, that's no good for gotcha. anything. So that's, that's one of the things about it. And the, But the other part is that salt is important to life. We have to have sodium in our diet or else our muscles don't work, right? Well, and salt was a primary preservative of the time. It's a primary Mm -hmm. preservative, and it's the primary way we give flavor. Like, you know that I Mm bake bread, and one time I forgot to put the salt in the bread. Like, at one point in time, you have to fold Mm -hmm. the salt in 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 the the wet dough process that I use, and it was horrible. (laughs) It was just flour? It was was just not bread worth eating. Um, the salt adds so much to the complexity of the mm-hmm. flavor and makes it so much more enjoyable. Um, it was still bread. You could still make a sandwich out right. of it, but it didn't taste as nice. Well, so I so. get this as a metaphor, especially once you talk to me about how salt could lose its saltiness and all you'd be left with mm-hmm. the, was the bitter. But I also get, mm-hmm. since salt was a preservative, that as a metaphor, we're charged with sort of carrying and preserving the identity and the stories of our people, the flavor, Mm -hmm. you know, it's how you preserve your identity as a people and a people of God. I get that. It's how you preserve, you know, also preserve and protect your faith. Well, and in this sense, it makes some sense when you think back to the people who were exiled in order to maintain their identity, they had to maintain their saltiness. They had to tell the yep. stories they had to do their their religious stuff because it was so important to their identity since they weren't in Jerusalem the light of the world part you know that's pretty obvious even little children understand the idea that you don't put a candle under a bushel um no and we could totally all break out i'm going to let it exactly. shine i was just going to say that but man tim what did so those two things i i get it i could preach on them i get it but what about that yeah what does this last paragraph have to do with us today? It just makes me mad. It just, it, it sounds like now you're going and telling us we need to be more religious and, we, and that it's somehow about our righteousness. And it just makes me mad. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven? Like, really? Ugh. You aren't going to say, tell me what you really think about it, Jenny? Yeah, tell me what you really <laughs> I think. I hate it. Jenny. Yeah, it pisses me off. Uh, yeah, I hear that. Well, I think, you know, it it makes more sense if you read it in the sequence mm-hmm. of things. And it's not about it's not about commanding us to be Pharisaic. It's commanding us to 
live righteously. And what does living righteously look like? Loving God and loving your neighbor. Be light. Love God. Love your neighbor. Yeah. Do justice. Love kindness. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. Which we got in, in Micah, you know. So. So I also get whoever breaks one of these commandments and teaches others to do the same. So this was a little, like, believe it or not, when I read this part, it was a tiny bit of a healing balm. Because whoever breaks one of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, you might think that would be followed with, will be thrown out onto the corner of weeping and gnashing of teeth. But instead, no. they still make... It'll be called least in the Right, and what do you call a doctor who graduates at the bottom of his class? Doctor. A doctor. So you're still in the kingdom of heaven, but you don't get in first. Mm-hmm. But who cares? I was relieved at that. Because I think that those of us who break the commandments, most of us do it. All of us. Well, I was going to say, I don't. Not they I would mean, do it unintentionally. I haven't murdered anybody yet, but right. I mean, yeah. we do it thinking we do it either because we can't help ourselves, or we do it because we think we're right. Um, you know that no, that's not stealing. No, that's not really what they meant by. I, I deserve this. Yeah. Oh my God. I. Ha- oh my God. You put on your scary eyes when you just did that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's not stealing. I earned it, you know. Um, It's not stealing. It's there free on the Internet for me to download. And, you know, um, so I was relieved at that because, of course, I know that I break all the commandments. I mean, I don't commit adultery. I don't I don't do any of the big ones, but I'm sure there are ways in which I steal and lie and cheat that I that I've convinced myself I'm really not. Mm. Yeah. And, and and this last sentence, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. I think that's really a call for us to examine what our righteousness is built on. Is it built on the right things? Is it built on the love of God and the love of neighbor? Or is it built on puffing ourselves up in acts? So, Tim, I can't help but think that we are in a time right now where it is very hard to to reconcile sort of the public sort of documents and things that allegedly build the framework of our country and then how things are actually going. Oh, totally. It's time for a reckoning. And, right. And the tension. And so part of what I'm aware of, the tension and anxiety between what we purport, what our laws and our framework is supposed to do for us and what's actually happening, yeah. that tension is so great that it is spilling over into everything. Oh, the, the anxiety that it creates is just... Yeah, and so... Flying around looking for places to land. I think that's part of what this paragraph must be about, right? Is, mm-hmm. is you've chosen to focus on the wrong things. And when you choose to focus on the wrong things... You wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven if we brought you in and set you down in the middle of it. Like, you just don't understand. And part of what they don't understand is what the law is all about. And that it's not about using the law to beat people with and to shame them. The law is about loving God and loving your neighbor. And Mm -hmm. so when I think that way, I can understand that how, how unbearable it must have been for Jesus to see the law used as a weapon against people um, and to see people's righteousness be so false. So to see what was supposed to be the framework of a loving 
society where people cared for widows and orphans and the elderly and took care of one another. And the alien yeah. in the land. And instead to see that it was the, the opposite. That's the sort of tension I feel like we're in right now. And it spills over. And I get, I get that sense of anger and unrighteousness. It's, it's just really hard to live with. All right, so should we do Electio, and do you want to pick one? Okay. You are the salt of the earth, but a salt has lost its taste. How can its saltiness be restored? You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? So actually that question... Um, gives me hope because it makes me think it could be restored if saltiness is a metaphor we could repent as long as it's a rhetorical question there's hope in it what i hate is then then the question is answered it is no longer good for anything (laughs) so there goes that's not the part i read so when i read that if saltiness can be restored i i hear hope because i hear that no matter how far we go astray from what we were created to be there is always hope that we can turn and become more of what we were made to be. And last week it was with refiner's fire. And yeah, yeah. fuller soup. And this week I don't I don't know what it is and I'm not going to read that later last sentence cuz it wasn't part of our lectio. What about you? The part that stands out is that you are the salt of the earth. You are that which gives flavor, mm. which gives goodness to the world around you. So protect that. Mm. and spread it Ooh, and spread it don't forget don't forget it to put it in your dough or it's gonna else be it's gonna bad be it'll be the so dull be you won't even want to eat yeah. it and then it won't feed anyone yeah yeah right. you know that is that is like really nice i think i make croutons out that of it that is really um yeah because then you can season them on the outside um that's what i did but you know what i'm glad you focused on that because that is pretty awesome that that god says flat out you are the salt of the earth yeah, you're you're that which is supposed to make things you, good, right? Without you, there's things aren't preserved, things don't taste good, all the flavor's gone. You need to go out there and be salt, but you are, and you can do it. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So be salt, and be light, and don't put your light under be a salt. bushel. But that's like such an obvious metaphor. We don't even really need to. Yeah. What's your blessing? I guess I want to say a blessing for. Anyone who's waiting for ancient ruins to be rebuilt or who's in a Hmm. parched land waiting for a watered garden, waiting for the rain, or somebody who's in a breach and they're waiting for somebody to be the repairer of the breach or to restore the streets, for those who are waiting for healing Hmm. on restoration and reconciliation, that's a hard and painful wait. But... Mm-hmm. This tells you, this song of Isaiah tells you, God sees you, and God sees you, and that water is coming to the parched place, and those ruins will be rebuilt, and those foundations will be rebuilt, and the breach will be repaired. I mean, it's coming. God sees you, but that wait is hard. What's yours? I think mine complements that. I don't have a blessing so much as I have a prayer. And my prayer is that everybody who's listening, and everybody, really, will see, will have it made apparent to them 
this week that they are salt for a specific mm. purpose. When they see the homeless or the destitute or the anxious and the upset, that they will have a word that is a balm or they will take in somebody and feed them mm. in whatever way they need. And that is my That's prayer. That's beautiful. All right. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Um, so, hey, I want to thank the listener, the two listeners um, whom I had never met, who came up to me at the National Cathedral to thank me for our podcast. Um, yeah, oh, that cool. was pretty cool. I Yeah, I heard from several people that day that they listened to the podcast. So if you listen, we'd love to hear from you. So you can write us. Yeah, leave us a, leave review. Us a review. And we'd love to hear from you. Tell a friend. And if you do have a struggle is real, a real struggle, <laughs> please email us at Tim at the irreverence. Dot com. Tim at the irreverence. What's that address? Dot com. That's that's Tim at the irreverence. <laughs> dot com. You just put on your NPR radio voice. <laughs> I did. All right. Well, we're glad you're with us and right. uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. God bless. Oh, you had to throw in a little God bless. Bye. Bam. God bless. Go be a blessing for God. Bye. Shout out. Do not hold back. Lift up your trump. Lift up your what? Nothing. <laughs> Shh. All right. I'm going to let you get this out. Okay. I'm all right. I'm, I'm out of practice. I'm right. totally out of practice. Okay. I was off for two weeks. So. Lift up your... I For a minute, I thought I had disconnected my microphone, but okay. Lift up your trump. Lift it high. <laughs> it's so good. Okay. Whew. I'm going to put on my mute button and I'm going to take about a drink of water. The state of my union. Oh, my God. All right. Oh my god. Okay, here we okay. go. Ready? I'm going to put on my mute button and drink my water and let you let you do this in peace. Thanks.